the Rangers blow a completely winnable game in Houston, and it feels like the sky is falling, the bullpen is bad, and everything is going wrong for the Rangers. On today's show, we're going to break down what it all actually means. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 25th. Your Rangers are 59 and 42, alone in first place in the AL West, two games ahead of the Houston Astros. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into the meat of this episode, so this episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, the Rangers blew an absolute stinker on Monday against the Astros. Everything felt like it was going very, very well. And then the bottom of the inning happened. The bottom of the ninth, the bottom of the first, the bottom of the seventh. Everything just felt like it went poo-poo to crap. This was a winnable game for the Rangers. Another game that the Rangers could have, should have, would have won if they were just a little bit better. Their Pythagorean record still has them five games better than their actual record is. They keep blowing these winnable games, and, and this time it was it was John Gray, it was the bullpen, it was it was Rollis Chapman, who has been absolutely nailed since he got here. Those was the first runs he allowed, and what a crappy time to allow, and this was his first home run allowed in nearly a year, and honestly, a really really not great time to break that homerless streak for Aroldis Chapman. Gave up a three-run bomb. Of course, to who else but the Rangers killer, Chaz McCormick, a guy who came out of absolutely nowhere and has just been uh, very, very good, unfortunately, for the Astros this year. has been their best hitter, even better than Kyle Tucker, who has been a Rangers killer and didn't kill the Rangers too much in this one. Just had one hit and three walks in this one, but just a frustrating game where the Rangers scored nine runs and still could not win. They even got five innings out of John Gray when it didn't it didn't look like he was going to get out of the first. I was a little worried that this is going to happen with John Gray because the last time he took a 110 plus mile an hour ball off of his body where it looked like he would have something broken and, and be done with the season. It took him a while to get back to form. He was really struggling after that and this time he took a 112 mile an hour liner off of his plant leg and thankfully it was just a bruise, nothing broken. Very lucky for him and for the Rangers that he didn't have to take a trip on the IL and the Rangers would have to skip his start and Nathan Eovaldi's start. Two of their their top two starters against the Astros, which is it's a darn shame that Eovaldi has been losing velocity, but I still do think that's the right move. But he struggled, and he still had his moments. He had six strikeouts in this one. The swing and miss stuff was, was really there, but the command was just not quite on for him, and the Astros really made him work. Three walks for them, seven hits, six runs, all of them earned three four of those runs coming in the first inning really settled down had three great innings in a row and then in the fifth inning he struggled to get through that but still did up end up getting out of the fifth inning only ended up throwing uh, 82 pitches in this one but pulling him after five innings was the right move the rangers ended up t- 
tying it up and getting the lead in the seventh inning, dropping three runs in the top of that seventh inning, getting to this Astros bullpen, which has been completely overworked. They were able to get to Belak. They got four walks off of him. He did end up getting five strikeouts, but gave up a pair of home runs, six runs, only three of those were earned, and six hits. Did not get them through four or through five innings, and they ballooned his ERA all the way up to 362. And the Rangers even got to Phil Maton, who has been fairly consistent this year, got a couple of walks off him, a couple hits, and three runs. They got to every single reliever, at least got a base runner off of every reliever outside of Texas Tech great Parker Mashinsky, who was called up and, and did very, very well to get the Astros out of their jams. Struck out three of the four hitters he faced, did not allow a single hit or base runner. I'm surprised that he didn't go just a little bit longer. The Rangers were able to rally late, and you'd think with a three-run lead heading into the bottom of the seventh inning that, okay, things are fine. Things are totally fine. You throw Chapman in there, you throw Burke in the eighth inning, and then you throw uh, Will Smith in the ninth inning. Well, that was not the case. They threw Chapman out there in that seventh inning, and he just could not find the strike zone. He walked two batters and then gave up that big, massive home run to Chaz McCormick. The Rangers challenged it, but uh, I mean, it was hit so freaking hard that I thought there's no way that this ends up coming back, and turns out it, it didn't. It was a three-run bomb that tied the game up for the Astros and the Rangers. It was just too little, too late. I mean, got a perfect inning from Brock Burke in the eighth inning. And then the questionable decision of all questionable decisions, throwing Alex Spies back out there in the ninth inning of a tie game against the reigning champion Houston Astros. And it it went about as well as you'd expect. Spies has got really great stuff, but Again, the problem with him has always been he does not know where it's going, especially that four-seam. He's really got one pitch that he's got command of. It is that slider, not the sweeper, not the – it's labeled as a cutter, but it is actually a slider. Talk a little bit about that, I believe, on Friday's episode. or I know it was yesterday's episode. I'm losing track of all kinds of different things. But he walked a pair, allowed a hit, a single, and that was the winning run. Did strike out Jose Abreu. Looked really good in that strikeout and just could not command the zone. And it's not his fault that he wasn't ready to be put into a big situation like that. This is, this is one of the decisions that with Bruce Bochy – that he's he's really been questionable. I mean, he's earned the right to have the benefit of the doubt in these situations. He did it with Grant Anderson, and it didn't always work out. But throwing these guys who are rookies who have barely been in the big leagues at all in these huge pressure situations, and they have not come through for the most part. I mean, we got a couple of, of outings where Grant Anderson came up in big situations, but Spees is, is a different animal. I mean, he's <clears throat> he's a guy who does not command the strike zone very well, and this is a very, very patient Astros team. They are have the lowest chase rate in all of Major League Baseball, so throwing a guy like him who does have elite stuff but does not have command of the strike zone, I mean, there weren't a whole lot of other options. I mean, he could have gone with Will Smith and maybe tried to get two innings out of him. That would have been difficult, and then he would have been gone for the next day. I mean, the Rangers have pitched the crap out of their bullpen for basically the last three games, and it has been rough. There are not a whole lot of other options. There have been a whole lot of roster turnover, just getting fresh arms on the roster. Even guys who were doing okay, not terribly, have been sent down to the minor leagues because the Rangers just need fresh arms, and there are not a whole lot of other guys that are left, and uh, it's just been incredibly frustrating. And on the last play of the game, we'll get into that in just a little bit, 
because the Rangers also did not have Adoles Garcia for this game, starting to worry that he might have to have a trip on the IL or just won't be able to play in this huge Astros series. It is a huge series, and without him, even though the Rangers did score nine runs, I still think that Adoles Garcia might have been the difference in the Rangers winning or losing this game. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more about the bullpen, what the Rangers need to do, and a reason why they should go all in this season. But first, let's word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. You can get exclusive flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, comedy, theater, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buying tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the GameTime app and create an account. Use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Shout out to the Everyday Rangers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be breaking down, hopefully, whoever TBD is having the start of their lives in the second game of this Astros series. The Rangers take on the Astros this weekend. In this week in Houston, you can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers got a lot of help from their offense in this one. Big days from Marcus Simeon and from, of course, Nathaniel Lowe, both of whom have been absolutely on fire as of late. Marcus Simeon in his last eight games has three home runs. Um, in the last seven games, he's got a slugging percentage of 483, and Nathaniel Lowe has been white hot for the last 15 games. He's only got two home runs in that span, but he's hitting 357 with an on-base of 438 and slugging 589. In the last seven games, he has got an on-base of 483 and slugging 625. This second half, Nathaniel Lowe has been on a tear, and the Rangers need him and Marcus Simeon to really step up and show out because Corey Ziggs is going to be gone for at least another week or so. Um, and they need their top bats at the top of the lineup to keep stepping up a multi-hit game for Travis Jankowski as well in that two-hole, hitting 319 at this point. The Rangers offense is coming up big. And Josh Young with his 20th home run of the season. Even though it was only a home run in 12 of 30 ballparks, it still counts because those stupid Crawford boxes count for the home team and the away team. Shout out to Houston for that weird stadium design and for uh, probably a, a more than generous amount of Jose Altuve's career home runs. But this Rangers offense did their job getting nine runs and, and rallying. You can't always, you know, score 15 runs in every single game, and, and you shouldn't have to. Honestly, when the Rangers dropped five runs in the first two innings, that should have been enough. But again, John Gray struggling with that injury, battling through, giving the Rangers five innings that they desperately needed, and the pen just not being able to shut things down. The pen allowed four runs, and it was just not enough. I mean, even John Gray, who did enough to keep this team in this game, wasn't a great outing, but he 
did enough to keep them in at five innings of the six runs and the team was tied when he left this game he was not the one charged with the l he was not the one charged with the blown save this was chapman's third blown save of the season and spees's second loss of the season a couple of rough outings for spees i wouldn't be surprised if he got sent back down but there's there's not a whole lot of other options the ending to this game was another peculiar particularly peculiar moment because I think that is where Adoles Garcia would have made the difference in this game. There was a shallow liner hit to right field. Travis Jankowski was playing right field, which again, I like seeing him in right field a lot more than I like seeing Robbie Grossman because I trust his arm a whole lot more, but Jankowski didn't play it all the best kind of you know struggled with with the ball but made a really good throw to home plate would have had what i believe would be at least his second home it was the the second time where Travis jankowski has made a great throw to home plate but didn't get the runner for reasons that were not his fault for this reason the other one was the you know weird replay review in chicago where jonah heim was called for blocking the plate for some stupid reason and again i will probably never get over that because that was another loss the rangers shouldn't have another blown save by the bullpen the rangers should not have had but this time it was the ball was cut off by nathaniel Lowe. i don't know what in the heck nathaniel Lowe was thinking he ended up making a pretty good relay throw but still i think the throw was online and was in shallow enough right field that travis jankowski didn't really need it to be a relay throw but the runner was at home plate and was ruled safe and it looked uh there's no way that he wasn't safe but then again on replay the rangers ended up challenging this and it, it looked like kyle tucker did not actually touch home plate his leg was above the plate and they sent it to to replay review and again the rangers get absolutely jobbed by a replay review it was it was called safe on the field and it was not you know confirmed it was just uh it stands so there wasn't a clear and convincing evidence apparently even though it looked pretty darn clear and convincing to me and to dave on the broadcast and to most rangers fans on twitter it looked pretty clear not that the rangers wouldn't have still lost the very next play i mean it still very much felt like that was going to happen the next play but it was jeremy pena that was coming up next and and pena has been in a really rough way as of late so maybe the rangers could have gotten out of it could have gotten two extra innings and then thrown will smith in the bottom of the 10th but that's a lot of ifs and what's and, and who's it's and, and that would be another high leverage reliever that the Rangers threw in this one because they needed a whole lot of guys to throw in this one and still couldn't end up getting the win. It was a frustrating day. The Rangers do have some internal options that are coming back soon. Joe Barlow is an option. He has been doing okay in AAA Round Rock and you know he's got a better command of the strike zone than Alex Spees. The stuff is not anywhere near the level of Alex Spees, but still, if you're looking for just a guy to throw in some low to mid-leverage situations, I think that you could get some some decent outings from Joe Barlow, and Zach Kent has thrown a couple of games. Thankfully, he is back after being injured for most of the season, only through three innings for Round Rock on April 4th before getting hurt. He has thrown a couple of outings in the Arizona Complex League, two two-inning outings. And the first one was back on the 15th. He threw two innings, allowed zero hits, one walk, four strikeouts in the ACL. Then the second outing was the 21st, two innings, one hit, zero walks, two strikeouts. Obviously, both of those were shutout innings. And I think that he could really help this bullpen. I thought at the beginning of the season that Zach Kent could end up being a pretty valuable member of this bullpen, a guy who could throw, you know, multiple innings, who could get you through three innings if you really needed to as a kind of bulk reliever, a, a righty who, you know, if you wanted to 
start him maybe could get you through three or four innings. I think could get through the lineup multiple times if you really needed him to. I don't think it could be through three times through the lineup. Or if you threw him in the pen, let his stuff play up. He's got some really, really nasty stuff that could be in the upper 90s fastball with probably the best slider, I think, in the Rangers system at this point. It has been so effective, and it is his primary pitch. He throws it more than anything else. And I think that that could definitely get some big league hitters out. He's got a five-pitch mix. It's very effective. And him being out for the whole season so far has been really hurtful for the Rangers. I don't know how long until he's going to be completely healthy. But as soon as he is, I think he might end up being fast-tracked to Arlington because I really, really think that he could help this bullpen quite a bit and give them exactly what they need. But the Rangers definitely have some trade needs. The trade deadline is coming up. I believe it is a, yes, a week from today. And Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News wrote that the Rangers are the team in the best position to trade for Shohei Otani. In a minute, I'm going to talk about why trading for him would be so important, why the Rangers just need to go all in this year. But first, let's word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On Friday's show, I'll be having an episode with Rangers prospect Cam Colley on the show. The Rangers take on the Astros this week. You can catch every pitch for the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News wrote about the Rangers, why they should trade for Shohei Otani. I don't know if the Angels actually will do it because it seems like they are uh, frustratingly fighting in the standings to stay relevant, which at this point, it feels kind of actually very, very hopeless for the Astros right now. They are seven and a half games back of the Rangers for the AOS, 51 and 49. I believe they are a, at least a couple games out of the wild card standings at this point. And Shohei Otani has been the best hitter in all of baseball and has been a more than serviceable pitcher at this point. But the Rangers need some starting pitching help. They had to skip the start for Nathan Eovaldi. Hopefully he will avoid an IL stint. John Gray is seemingly shaky. Dunning seems like he is most definitely coming back down to earth. Martin Perez is also been coming back down to earth this entire season. And Andrew Hinney can only throw 80 pitches effectively. So at this point, the Angels, by the way, they are four and a half games out of the wild card behind Toronto. There are the Yankees and the Red Sox ahead of them, both two and a half games behind Toronto. So I mean, it is a really, really big ask for the Angels to come back. And we're not sure exactly when Mike Trout is going to be back, probably sometime after the deadline. And we'll we'll see what he's like when he comes back. But this Angels team, I thought they had a really good offseason. They just caught some really, really bad injury luck. Rendon, um, predictably, has been hurt. All of these starting pitchers who I thought were going to be pretty decent for them, including a couple guys that they brought in. Tyler Anderson has been aggressively mid to bad. Otani has kind of fallen off a little bit as a pitcher as of late, but he's still the best hitter in all of baseball. And adding him to this lineup would be absolutely incredible. And just having another, even if he is a mid-rotation pitcher this year, he has got a seven, or excuse me, 371 ERA in 19 starts, 111.2 innings. Uh, 6.3 hits per nine, which leads the league. 3.8 walks per nine and 11.9 Ks per nine. Uh, leads the league in hit by pitches and wild pitches. His ERA plus is 120, so 20% better than league average. Last year, he had a 233 ERA in 166 innings with uh, 219 strikeouts. So much better as a pitcher last year, much better as a hitter this year. This is the best hitter he has ever been. He is on pace to 
for, I believe, 59 home runs last time I checked. Adding that to this lineup would be just absolutely unreal. Even if he is, even if he does have a higher ERA than John Gray, for those people calling John Gray a bad or mediocre pitcher, just just think about that for for about half a second. I know John Gray doesn't hit bombs like Otani, but still, I think if you add Shohei Otani to this rotation, he'd probably be your number two. I think the Rangers could make some tweaks for him that could make him a little bit more effective. He's been throwing that sweeper quite a bit, but it's also hard to, to tell Otani how to do anything because he's Shohei Otani. What do you know better than Shohei Otani? But I think adding him to this team is is the right message to send to this team. This Rangers team is all in for the next three years. After that, they've got some reasons to be hopeful about this team contending. They've got a really, really young lineup, a young core that I think is something you would want to build around and, and could be sustainable. But for the next three years, this this is it. This is the window right now. And the Rangers have never won a World Series. Everybody knows that. I mean, as much as I like to live in a pretend fantasy world where the Rangers made a defensive substitution in right field in game six of uh, 2011. They didn't. They lost. It was painful. It sucked. And the Rangers have not gotten close to getting back there since then. And this is their best chance. There are not a whole lot of teams. There's really no team in the AL that scares me that I think is definitively better than the Rangers. They add Shohei Otani and they add one or maybe two more relievers at the deadline. I I think might lean towards two depends on if Zach Kent can come up and, and what he can look like. I really think that could be a difference maker. It seems like Spice is not quite ready to be a difference maker in high leverage situations at the big league level, which is fine. And I do still think that he could be at one point still needs to refine that command. Um, and Josh Boris really, really needs to come back healthy and effective like he was in the month of May. But still, this is the year you freaking go for it. It might cost Evan Carter. It might cost Brock Porter. It might cost it might cost Ezekiel Duran and the closer we get to this deadline the closer we get to the Rangers blowing this divisional lead which again even if they do and they only end up as a wildcard team this was the plan this year was for this year to be the get your feet wet get some experience get into the playoffs get cohesive as a team because you have a very very new roster and a new manager and you got to kind of figure it out it doesn't always happen in the first year but this is the year. It has come ahead of schedule, and you cannot afford to dilly-dally and putz around and waste a year. Maybe next year Nathan Eovaldi is not healthy. Maybe he is not as effective as he is. Maybe you have big injuries to him or John Gray, and you know, it seems like it's possible that uh, Martin Perez is probably not going to be there next year. You might get Jacob deGrom back in the back half of the season, but you don't really know what he's going to look like next year. This is it. You have got to push your chips in while you have a window. Look at the Royals. Look at the Mets. Those teams who pushed their chips in while they did and got to the World Series. The Royals ended up winning one and then immediately fell back into the tank. The Cubs pushed all their chips in immediately. It took them a while to get there, but they didn't have the long sustained window that they thought they would, even though they had a really good young core when they got to the World Series and won it. And look where they are now. It's been you know, six, seven years since that happened. And I don't even think they got to the NLCS with that core after that. So 
this is the year to go all in for it. The only other team and the entirety of Major League Baseball that scares me is the Braves, but even that team has some holes. I mean, the Braves have had a lot of injuries to their starting pitching. Their lineup is probably the only one in baseball that's close to the Rangers. It's probably better than the Rangers at this point in terms of depth and in terms of top-end talent. I mean, they have the only catcher in baseball, maybe... Maybe there's one more, but one of the only catchers in baseball who's better than Jonah Heim. They've got one of the best first basemen in all of baseball. They've got one of the best you know, players in all of baseball in Ronald Acuna Jr. having a massive career year. They've got all kinds of guys up and down the roster that are having fantastic seasons. They've got a lot of good arms, experienced arms in the pen. And they've got one of the best pitchers in all of baseball in Spencer Strider and a lot of other really good pitchers as well. So, I mean, this is the year to go all in for it. I mean, know that it is scary to push all your chips in and it's easy to, you know, be a prospect holder and be like, oh, no, no, no. Actually, Evan Carter, he's got to be untouchable because he's going to be amazing. Well, he might be. And he might be amazing for the Angels if you deal him in that deal. If you can get away with any combination of not letting up you know, any of your, your big three young guys in the major leagues in Leoti, in Ezekiel, and Josh Young, which, again, I think Josh Young and Leoti are probably the only ones that are completely off the table in a deal for Otani. Or maybe you want to include um, Nathaniel Lowe in that deal to get them a major leaguer, which I, I think they would rather have somebody else besides Nathaniel Lowe, even though they do want big league ready talent because they want to compete with Mike Trout, which I do still think they might end up selling off Mike Trout in the next couple of years anyway. Um, but still it might hurt and you might get burned and Shohei Otani might go somewhere else, but it's worth the shot. And I really, really think that Otani could be convinced to sign here long-term with the Rangers. The Rangers were very close to getting him the first time around. It was a whole different set of circumstances. Now he knows the league, but now he wants to win. And if you give him his first shot in the playoffs, we saw what he did in the World Baseball Classic. He was absolutely electric. And putting him in a playoff chase, which he's in one right now, this is the first time in his career that he's really, uh, truly been in one. We see the level that he is ascending to as a hitter. It is just unreal, the stuff that he's doing. You put him in this lineup, your top three goes something like, I don't know, Marcus Simeon, Shohei Otani, and Corey Seager. If if you give him the hitter behind him is Corey Seager, it's almost as good as having a peak Mike Trout behind him. And then you have plenty of protection behind that in Adoles Garcia, who is an all-star, in Josh Young, who is an all-star, in Nathaniel Lowe, who won a silver slugger last year, in Jonah Heim, who was an all-star this year, in Ezekiel Duran, maybe he's included in that trade, maybe he's still here. I don't know at this point. Um, and then, you know, Leody Tavares and whoever else is there. I mean, it's just an insanely deep lineup and he wouldn't be asked to be the ace, the only starting pitcher that is worth the darn in this rotation. That's Nathan Eovaldi. Then John Gray has its moments possibly ahead of him, possibly behind him. And then you have Martin Perez and Andrew Heaney, who are both professionals who can be okay and be fine and keep this team in it with this absolutely insane lineup that would be if they added Shohei Otani and a bullpen that, you know, I don't know how much this bullpen would have to do if you add Shohei Otani to this lineup. Even if you're trading Ezekiel Duran and giving up one of your very good bats in this very deep lineup, that is a massive, massive upgrade for now. And why couldn't he be convinced to stay here long term? The things that he likes is something that's low-key, something that's not all the flash and glamour, which is why I don't think there's any chance in heck that he goes to the Yankees, no matter how much money they pony up. That's why I think it's a lesser shot that he goes to the Dodgers, because again, it is a big market. There's a lot more stars on that team. He would probably be 
I think L- if he moved to LA, that would be the place where he would be the you know less would be less of a chance that he is the most famous person in that city. If he moved to Texas, then it's either him or Luka Doncic that is the most famous person in this city. Um, but still. I think that the vibe on this team, having a bunch of low-key superstars, a bunch of guys who are, in all honesty, a little boring, but very much focused on baseball, being great at baseball, and just that. That's Corey Seager. That's Marcus Simeon. That's Nathaniel Lowe. That's Josh Young. That's Jacob deGrom. That's Nathan Evoli. That's all of these stars. They have a very similar personality to Shohei Otani that I think he would really, really get along with. Not to mention Chris Young, who is the master salesman, who I think is the best salesman GM, maybe in all of baseball right now. I mean, you've seen the guys that he's convinced in the situations he's convinced coming off of the situation that the Rangers were coming off of. I mean, he did get the financial backing from ownership to go out and spend on those guys. But that doesn't mean anything if you can't convince them to come here. He convinced Marcus Simeon to come play here after the worst season the Rangers have had since the 1970s. And then after he got Simeon, he said, hey, Seager, you're not going to be the only guy here. You also got Simeon. Do you also want to come play for this team? I promise you they're actually going to be good. And then in the second year of both those guys, they actually are good. He convinces the best pitcher in all of baseball to sign here in Jacob deGrom, a five-year deal to leave the Mets, who were coming off a 100-plus win season, and an owner who was willing to spend more money than God on that roster. Now, clearly, it hasn't worked out, and it's hilarious that he said he wanted to come and win, and in his first year playing for the Rangers, even though it's it's gone how it's gone, that the Rangers have a better record than the Mets. But he also convinced Nathan Eovaldi and also convinced um, Andrew Heaney to sign here as well with the team coming off that 94 loss season, even though they had those two new superstars. I mean, he is a fantastic salesman, and I think that he is the right person to pitch Otani on this team. He could convince him to sign here long-term over the Dodgers, over... <laughs> Over Seattle, who I think he would run into a similar problem with Seattle, even though he would be probably their like fourth or fifth starter in their rotation, the offense would be him and Julio and friends. Whereas if he comes here as a hitter, he will be much more protected. He has a much more balanced team. I think the Dodgers could definitely put a more balanced team around him um, and obviously spend more money than God because their ownership group is incredibly rich as well. And they're also really good at developing homegrown talent and wouldn't have to deplete their farm as much as the Rangers would and, you know, still have an insane level of talent. But I think that this market, this team, and Chris Young would be very good, very effective at convincing Shohei Otani to go all in, sign a long-term deal with the Rangers, and that gives you another window of condition next year where the opening three of your playoff rotation goes Jacob Grom, Nathan Eovaldi, Shohei Otani, and then your number four is John Gray. That is an insanely good team. And the lineup, oh, by the way, would be basically the exact same lineup as this year, which would be absolutely incredible. Plus a second year of Josh Young, maybe he's even better than he is right now. But I think the Rangers should go all in on this season. You don't get all that many opportunities. And if you can trade for Shohotani and get him to stay here long-term, even if you can't and you win a World Series, it is absolutely worth whatever prospect capital you can give up because flags fly forever. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.